We made this. Next episode will be Christmas one. Bloody hell. I cannot believe we've managed to go eight weeks, well, six, seven weeks yeah. without recording and been absolutely fine. I mean, there was, you did a decom, so that helped. You don't realise how how ahead you're getting, do you? Yeah, well, obviously when we recorded with um, with Mark back in September, it was like, oh yeah, this is going out in mid-November. Yeah. It was like, bloody hell. We had a nice streak during the summer, didn't we? Yeah, it's been a nice little break. We need to get back into it now. (laughs) (laughs) Hooray! (laughs) Right. One, two, three, four. been a while. It's been a while. It's been a well, while. Not for you, it hasn't. You've got no, no excuse. <laughs> I did this like two weeks ago. Unless you had Tony read it out. No. Uh, I believe like memorised it with the right first time, didn't he? <laughs> he would have done. If he He's very professional like that. He is, yeah. yeah. Oh. All hail Lord Tony. That's turn me fair enough, doesn't it? I hope you like gave thanks to him and recited a few prayers. Of course I did. I, our podcast god. Thank you so much, Tony. Hello everyone and welcome to Without a Mouse, the podcast where we watch and review the obscure and forgotten live-action Disney movies on the hunt for a hidden gem. I'm your host Tim, hello, and as always, or nearly always, I'm joined by my co-host Chris Wilson. It's been like six weeks, hasn't it? Six, seven weeks since we last recorded. Yeah, and about, God, at least one episode, maybe two. I was absolutely gutted that I missed... Uh, the Love Bug review. Yeah, we'd re- rearranged it about four million times by that point, hadn't we? We did, So we yes. had to just kind of, we just had to go with it at that point. And then I got ill. I had the man flu. Yeah. And couldn't really come and record, unfortunately. Although I did give it my best effort. I watched The Love Bug at four o'clock in the morning. Oh, on, yeah. On that, on, that, on that same day. We actually mentioned that in the podcast. Cause, yeah. Because Tony said that you'd uh, you'd done it at a weird, awkward time. Yeah. I made notes and everything. <laughs> sent them over to you to prove I actually did do it. I wasn't just like, you know, talking shit, basically. Handing in your homework to teach it. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, funnily enough, I didn't bother reading it. Yeah, <laughs> same with most of my writing, really. <laughs> so how have you been? I feel like, you know, we've not seen each other for so long. Well, I've been ill, I've been overworked, so I've been <laughs> busy working six days a week sometimes, and... Yeah, and I've also been on holiday, technically, so there you go. All right, anyway, good. Uh, Funny enough, given today's film, I went to Dublin at a weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very apt, very apt. Yeah. Um, So you'll be able to let us know how... uh, I'm fluent in Irish. Oh, good, and how authentic this was for uh, what happens in Ireland, this film. Well, it's not very authentic, because as as it turns out in Ireland, 
every corner has a donut shop. And do you know, have you ever driven past like Laceby Services with that coffee shop called Insomnia? Yes, yeah. Turns out it's an Irish coffee brand. There's Insomnia in every single corner in, oh. in Dublin. I did not know that. Yeah, and you know what? I forgot to actually buy one, so we have to go to speed later and buy a coffee. <laughs> yeah, okay. To give an authentic Irish experience. <laughs> is that for the for the Patreon bonus episode? Yes, we'll go it is. and uh, try some Irish coffee. Yeah. Live from Laceby Services. Is it Lance. Irish coffee in, like, has it got booze in it? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> is it Irish coffee like what gets uh, Herbie pissed? <laughs> oh, God, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was more of a cream, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was by the time it got spunked out all over the bad guy, wasn't it? That was a lot of spunk. <laughs> right. So, you you didn't mention last week it was your birthday as well? Everyone forgot. Literally, one person wished me happy birthday on my birthday itself. Well, to be fair, I hadn't. I didn't know until you told me on the day before. But uh, I've bought you a little gift. Oh, thank you. I didn't even notice that. I, know it's like... I was going to say, you just put your drink right next to <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Let's start. Oh, bloody hell, you poozer, really. <laughs> After all these years. Great. And I've now just lost the game as well, because I'm thinking about the game. Chris is just opening his card. Oh, an amazing pop-out cat. It's quite amazing, to be fair. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Might be a week late, but you know. Well... Well, birthday cards and what I got from my pals at Cinemartry. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, yeah, bastards. He, he literally texted me in Ireland uh, when I was in Ireland on Saturday so, saying, was it your birthday on Thursday? <laughs> and I just responded with Wednesday for the stop. <laughs> Turned well, my phone off. Well, it was after we had been harassing you trying to uh, get a bloody podcast recorded and then you were like it's my birthday next week i can't do it <laughs> no so i was like i did feel a bit guilty for trying to get you in on your birthday so here you go it was like more of a family um, get together so i couldn't really ignore it oh nice <laughs> so what i've got here is a lego toy story for uh car and woody i can't remember bloody car's name now rc ah thank you yeah uh, rc and woody with traffic cones and everything like that brilliant and Little Army Men, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, it is actually. I don't remember the Army Men being in Toy Story 4. Well, they probably weren't, but you know. It's just Toy Story is a brand. I don't think... Oh no, RC was in the beginning, wasn't they? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's the Army Men weren't, though. No, I don't think they were either. No. Oh, thank you, Tim. It's all, all right, mate. Yeah. I, I do accept late presents, by the way, if anyone else is listening. <laughs> Anytime. Perfectly happy. So, right... Let's get stuck in to our film this week, which is Darby O'Gill and the Little People. It was um, a suggestion by Mr. Rips 23 on Instagram, who uh, got in touch with us and said was letting us know how much he loved this podcast. Um, I don't know if he recommended it because it was a film he really, really liked, or if it was because he knows it's terrible. Um, I don't know, Mr., if that's your real name. I don't know what your motivation <laughs> was, but... I did message him when I was halfway through the film and was like, what the hell have you made us watch? And he, he never replied, so I think he got took offence at that, probably. I, I, it's an interesting one, though, because this is a late 70s, uh, Walt Disney's dead now, let's just do whatever, we're going to try and save some pennies here. This is like, right, from what I understand, this was actually a Walt Disney passion project. Um, According to IMDb, right. he... Um, Wanted to do a film about Ireland in some way since like 1941. 
Obviously, you couldn't do it back then because of the war, but <laughs> then Eli apparently scouted in Dublin in 1947, publicly announced he was going to do a film about Ireland, and it took him 10 extra years because, you know, there was such passion he wanted to get it right. We'll have to decide whether or not he did get it right, won't we? It's an odd one. Um, I'm going to make a wrestling analogy here, and okay. I do apologise, but increasingly, Walt Disney reminds me of WWE owner Vince McMahon. In, <laughs> in that, there's... He's clearly had some really good ideas during his time, but bloody hell, unfiltered is full of shit. <laughs> yeah, it's literally throw anything at the wall and see what sticks, isn't it? Yeah, it will get into it, obviously, but for such a passion project as well, it's just odd how it, every one of these films seems to come out in almost the same way. Yes. Like, yeah. structurally and everything. Yeah. You know, you, you can uh, have a couple of quite authentic accents. I didn't actually check if everyone bar Sean Connery was actually Irish, but um, and he's not. Well, the, no, the way you quite... said the way you said that was as if he, you thought he was Irish, but <laughs> he's not. <laughs> Mish Money Penny. No, he's he's apparently Scottish. Oh, yes, tennis. <laughs> Sorry, I was like the Churchill dog then. Oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, so we start off the film with a few shots of a little village and a very strange intro text because Disney, we know from talking about other things on the podcast that Disney have always liked to uh, protect the magic behind their films and franchises. I can make a second wrestling reference here right away. Oh, I do okay. apologise, there won't be any more of these. But... So have you ever heard of the term kayfabe? No. So it's basically, because wrestling has its own like vernacular, like basically carny talk. Yeah. As it was. So uh, kayfabe is the word for maintaining the illusion. So obviously wrestling right. isn't real. Yeah. But in order to maintain... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I know. What a shock. <laughs> but in order to maintain that illusion, you've got to pretend at all times, even when like wrestlers on our wrestling show, They've got to always stay in character. Yeah. Not so much these days, obviously, because that whole, like, illusion's completely shattered. Yeah. So, here, we have them trying kayfabe for leprechauns. Yeah. So, basically, it starts with a signed note from Mr. Disney himself. Yes. To say that he has basically sworn to protect the names of these (laughs) little people that are going to be in this film. Um, it's like a visa or base of real life events, but protects their identities of which change the names. Yeah, which is really fun, which is, you know, a fun way of doing things, but you don't realise until after the film's finished and you've seen the credits that basically what that boils down to is that all of the actors portraying the little people or leprechauns were uncredited for their work. Hmm. Which is a bit shit, really. Yeah, but you know, those leprechauns, they should have made a bigger deal out of it. <laughs> there oh. won't be many of those puns, so I'm not going to do that. No. Um, It'd be a tall order if I did. <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. Yeah, I, I know you want to keep the podcast short and snappy, so... Yeah. <laughs> what else can we say about the intro? So we, we've learned that the film was directed by Robert Stevenson, who has directed a lot of the films we've watched so far, and also yep. the big hitters like Mary Poppins and... Um, Ben on some broomstick, so... Did he do The Love Bug? He we, did, yeah. Yes, I, I thought I'd saw his name very, very recently. So, 
a bit like Disney himself. He's got a very uh, scattershot resume of good shit and bad shit. But oh, it's oh. you. Oh, for God's sake. Put out your brown bins, Tim. <laughs> I don't have two till next Wednesday. Good. So, <coughs> I've got a cough on it. <coughs> right, I'm going to fart and then I'm going to burp and then... Uh, okay. I'm going to rip some paper up and then we'll start again. Where right, are we? I'm, wait, I'm just going to take, take my hoodie off. How do you make a podcast again? Um, you talk bollocks for an hour and a half and you hope people listen. Oh, right, okay. Yes, so where were we? <laughs> yeah, so we start off in the gatehouse with our character, Katie. Yep. I was not never sure until the end whether or not it was Katie or Kitty, um, just because of these very strong Irish accents in this film. Um, in all fairness, I, I did get it was Katie right away, but then again... Oh, well, you would. You've just been to Ireland. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm now fluent in Gaelic. <laughs> so, um, Katie's at home at the gatehouse, and an old lady comes to the door and asks for a pinch of tea. In this dialogue, we get a lot of exposition, because we find out that this young lass Katie's single, and that she lives with her dad, and they work for Lord Fitzpatrick. Basically, her dad's his the caretaker for his manor. Yes, And they live right. in the gatehouse. Um, and she makes some excuses for her dad not being about, but, you know, basically he's down the pub getting pissed. Yeah. So pretty Irish so far. I'll say very stereotypical <laughs> behaviour from the off. Yeah. This isn't going to let up at all. No. And her dad is the titular character, Darby O'Gill. And the old lady kind of says that he's a bit shit to the Lord when the Lord turns up. Yes. She? Lord Fitzpatrick turns up on his uh, pony and cart. Mm. I mean, a as it turns out later on, this old woman's motivation that her useless, very big son yep. uh, needs a job. So she's trying to put the good word in without actually saying anything. Yeah, her son is uh, the the bad guy of the piece, kind of, called Pony. Yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose he is. Yeah. He's as close to what this film has as a bad guy, I think. Yeah, um, apart from death itself. Spoilers. <laughs> God, this film gets so fucking weird by the end. It does, yeah. <laughs> so then we go to the pub um, and we see Darby and he's basically talking up some tall tales of um, having met leprechauns in the past. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that we never actually say the L word at all? They always say little people. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Which is very weird and surprisingly... Possibly politically correct for the time, although probably not now. The thing is, though, like a, a leprechaun is obviously a mythical creature, yes. so there's nothing on PC about kind of referencing it because it's, you know, it's. It, but but they've so they've gone the other way. Do you think? I think that yeah. I wonder if little people is more offensive than leprechaun. It depends if they're authentically Irish. But yeah, he's talking about the little people that live at the top of the hill. In uh, basically a castle ruins, isn't it? Yep. We established that Pony's a bad guy because he's really after some whiskey, but for some reason the bartender will only serve him stout. Yeah. Not really sure why. Island. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, whiskey's Irish. Oh, yeah. I mean, no. I mean, just out of junk, I think there's uh, less alcoholic content in stout than what there's whiskey. I think that's the point they're trying to make. Mm. It's their way of sobering up. Right. But. Uh, this scene was very strange in that this old drunk man is talking about leprechauns and everyone is hanging on his every single word. Yeah, apart- everyone believes him, don't they? Uh, apart from Pony, and then Pony is basically told to shut the fuck up by 
uh, by the uh, pub landlord. Yeah, and and told to drink his stout or get out. Yeah, it is really weird because usually at this point in a film, everyone would not believe. Yeah, him. it's basically him and with his belief and everyone else being like, "Oh yeah, okay then." But in this film, there's never a point where, well, everyone believes him apart from Pony for the vast majority of the film. Mm. Yep. Then the next scene. Well, I've written here, but I can't remember because it's been weeks since I watched it. Well, so there's I, a really weird wobbly fade at the end of this. I don't remember. Do you remember? No. no. Yeah, just to point <laughs> out, by the way, I got very lazy and thought, fuck this, so I didn't make any notes, but I did finish watching it about an hour ago, so... <laughs> Should be fresh in your memory, but you still can't remember the fade that I've just mentioned. Well, I, I don't know. I'm also quite <laughs> tired today, so, you know... Yeah, I'll let you might, off then. Might, might just be all a bit fuzzy. Yeah. So... Then we go um, and we get to see Lord Bumblefuck, and <laughs> next to him is Sean Connery. Yep. And the intention is that Sean Connery is going to be the new manor keeper, gatekeeper, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. But before that scene, we actually get to see a flashback of Darby O'Gill's story that is told. So, oh we, God, uh, yeah. Okay. We go up the mountain to the cathedral, and we see King Brian, King of the Little People. King Brian. Yeah. And uh, basically because Darby's found him, he gets Darby gets three wishes and uh, King Brian offers him some snuff at one point, which is a bit uh, archaic and interesting. Would you like some frankincense? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm more of a Murph fan myself. Yeah. Yeah. Or gold to be fair. Yeah, I think I go for gold. Yeah, so Darby's wishes he chooses his first wish he wishes for his health. Then his second wish he wishes for uh, Bumper crop of potatoes because Irish. Ireland. Yeah, <laughs> it it begins. I think this is a reference to potatoes, but every reference point you can think about, you're going to get. Yeah, um, and then third wish is obviously to get King Brian's crock of gold, mm. um, and King Brian says to him, "Oh well, you know, if you want, you could have a fourth wish. That's fine." So. Darby wishes um, for gold for all of his mates, and then King Brian's like, "Hi, you idiot! You can only wish three times, yes. and now you've lost everything." Yeah, the fourth wish invalidates everything. And I'm like, "Well, that's you're just a fucking fraud." Lo- yeah, he lied about it. Yeah, he literally said, "You can have more wishes," and then he went, "Nope, sorry, you can't." So we've learned that no one void. So King Brian, you know, the King of Leprechauns, very unlike the Pope. Because whatever the Pope says becomes uh, Catholic dogma. Mm. Whereas, you know, King Brian can say it, but it doesn't mean it's true. So, yeah. there we go. Well, leprechauns and Popes, different things. Who'd have thought it? Well, at least leprechauns aren't paedophiles. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> King Brian literally jigs himself away doing a little Irish jig. Yeah. And disappears. Then the next day, the local priest has to try and get um, a new bell for the the village church uh, from the town that's next over. So he is looking for someone to help him because he doesn't have a horse. Mm. Um, Pony offers his services for the fee of two pounds and ten pence, which the father is unable to pay. Whereas Darby, we see he's a, he's a good lad because he says he'll do it for free. Yeah, um, but he he's going to do. The father offers him. He gets the song of the bells or some shit. <laughs> so the first the first ringing of the bells will be for Darby basically, and Darby really likes this idea. That is so much better than actual money you can spend yeah. Yeah, things that, on. That's important because it comes back later. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Katie turns up and drags him home. 
like the drunken reprobate he is. Yep, because at this point the uh, Lord What's His Face wants to see Darby. Yep, and she's made this excuse that he's all the way back at the ass end of the manor with his scythe chopping down some grass or something like that. Yeah, and so he has to retrieve. Uh, she has to retrieve him, and um, and then uh, push him along his way with the scythe already in his hand <laughs> to make it look like he's been hard at work all along. Yeah, um, and we learn that Sean Connery, um, his character name is Michael McBride, and he's here basically to take over Darby's job. Yes, the... bloody Scottish going over there taking her jobs. <laughs> yeah, but he's supposed to be Irish, so he's doing. He, you know, instead of doing a crap English accent, he's now doing a crap. Irish accent, which is nice. I can't even think how to pull that one off. No, I'm not going to try. Um, but the, the oh, Rich Buddy Penny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Katie. <laughs> no, let's not. Let's no. definitely not go there. Had enough shit after the cover in this episode. Anyway, <laughs> so the Lord basically says that Darby will be able to retire on half pay and still live in a house for free, and has two weeks to move out. And this is supposed to be, like, the worst thing that could possibly happen. And it's just like, how far we've come, Chris? Fucking sounds good to me. Yeah, mate, if, I, if this was offered to me, I'd be like, fuck off. Yeah, I'll definitely take that. Yeah. I'm not I'm not working for you anymore. Like, yeah, but I'll say, yeah, but more than half of my uh, salary already goes on bills and everything like that anyway. Exactly. You take that from the equation, sorted. <laughs> how times have changed, eh? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, this Bloody is Tarvis. yeah, this is made out. Of, the note that I put was, "Oh God, how evil!" Yeah, no, what a bastard. <laughs> um, so, but he likes working so much. Apart from you know when he's in the pub, drunk talking about leprechauns and not and barely working. Yeah. Yes. Um, then Pony's mam turns up um, to introduce Pony to the Lordy, thinking that she can get him to be the new dude, uh, the new uh, caretaker. Gardener. That's the word. <laughs> Caretaker, um, yes, yes. But um, obviously, she doesn't. We, she doesn't know that um, Sean Connery's already going to be doing that. Uh, and then we go back to the gatehouse. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say. So this is a scene where basically they they briefly talk to the Lord as he's going past in his awesome car, isn't it? Yeah. And oh, the pony do. We just stand there looking a bit big, but also a bit, you know. Bleh. And that's supposed to constitute a job interview, I suppose. Yeah, there's a th- there's a theme throughout this, which is that Pony stands around and is told what to do. Yeah, he's a bit of a thick idiot, isn't he? He is a bit. He's not he's not acted thick, but he's written thick. Yes. I think. But um, yeah. Let me go back. Plus, he's slightly thick. Two C's. Oh yeah, he's 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 a buff baby, isn't he? Yeah. He's he's pr- he's really tall as well. Yeah, he's a tall boy with an yeah. eye. Hench. That's what he is. Not really, he's do, just a bit of a fat bastard. Really. Do people still still say hench? Is that a thing? Yes. Pose arm. <laughs> this is a podcast, you can't oh, see it. Oh, Chris, calm down. <coughs> Show off calf. <laughs> right, so then... I'd best I've not been in the gym for three weeks. <laughs> we've just bought Fuck Ring it. Fit Adventure for the Switch. Nice. So we've been uh, doing some exercises on that. It's a bloody good workout. I, I didn't realise that was even out for the Switch. After, mm. well, Have you seen it? Do you know, no. even know what I'm talking about? Nope. All right, never mind then. It's um. This podcast is cancelled. Let's go play on the switch. <laughs> it's um. It comes with this um, weird like ring hoop thing, and it's got lots of. So it's 
what you can sort of push it in and pull it out so it's got like tension so twist it bop it yeah it's basically bop it and you put the put a joy-con in that then you put a joy-con in a strap around your leg and so it's like a rpg but to move through the levels you have to jog on the spot yeah and then when you attack bad guys you have to do all of these uh exercises okay so it would be absolutely no good for a guy like you that actually goes to the gym but for people like me and Kirsty who do literally zero exercise at any time it's a really good workout i would recommend highly recommend to fatties like me (laughs) (laughs) i'm pony (laughs) i'm pony yeah we go back to the gatehouse darby o'gill plays a fiddle because ireland (laughs) yeah it's literally like for no other reason as to just throw it in there in it, pretty much. You see, I've got my grade two in violin from back in the day, and I'm pretty sure I could play what he played. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't anything no outstanding. It, it, it didn't seem like it because uh, when you get to grade two, you, you just you have uh, four strings. You like got four different notes on each string. Like when you hit grade three, you start having to use like two or three extra notes further up the fretboard. Right. Well, I don't think he got to grade three. <laughs> Neither did I. But whilst uh, Darby's fiddling. Um, Katie's making a stew because women's roles. And Ireland. And Ireland, yeah. Irish stew. And all the while, Mikey Boy is just perving at Katie. Just like. Uh, what I've written is that he's doing some classic Sean Connery eyebrow acting. Yes. <laughs> They're just both going like. Whoop, 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 up and down. You can see why he was hired for James Bond now, can't you? Yeah, it's kind of. Um, got the. F- it's it's very similar to Kurt Russell in the computer war tennis shoes. Yes. In that again, he's he's a pretty boy more than he's an actor at this mm. point. Same that though. This was the film that uh, convinced the Broccolis to hire him for uh, James Bond role. I, so yeah, I can see why. So this is actually a film of big historic importance. Kind of, yeah. Darby O'Gill and the little people. Yeah. Then uh, that night, Darby's horse runs away, <laughs> and I could be wrong. But I think he said, come back, you bastard. <laughs> I think that's the line. I doubt that's the line. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't, but when I was... You said, like, oh, you fucker, get back here. Come back, you bastard. And then the horse runs all the way up to the castle um, and stops by this well that's uh, emanating some... This horse is light. fucking obsessed with running up that hill as well. Yes, it runs up the hill quite often. And then I was like, what the fuck? Because the horse starts like strobing in and out. This was very weird. And I think I get why later on, when we see more of this, this effect. Yeah. But I think the horse has been possessed by death itself. Or, right. or Banshee, I should say. Well. The proper Irish term. What I'd read, which is not obvious at all from watching the film, is that it's not Darby's horse, but it is a mythical, another mythical creature that's well known in Ireland, which is a horse that leads people away and some horse shit. ghost. I can't remember what it's called, but it's yeah. But we've got a normal horse. So what is it possessing? Exactly, is like, it possessing this horse? It would make sense if it wasn't for the fact that Darby thinks the whole time that it's his horse. Question is, can the horse uh, kick a field goal? I I reckon this horse could because it's a bit fucking weird. Yeah. The can you remember the heady days of Gus? Remember when we watched that and it was fun? I miss those days. We we scored it bad, but you know, looking back, yeah. I wonder. Would I enjoy Gus more now? Probably. I probably would as well. I don't know why that's reminded me, but fucking Disney Life, that the streaming app. 
Mm. I haven't been locked out of my account for two weeks because they changed some of the logging in ways of work, how they work. Mm. Took them two weeks to get around to helping me out with the problem after I contacted them. And so for the last two films that we watched, as well as paying for Disney Life, I had to also buy them on Amazon. I managed to get a download of this in the nick of time tonight. <laughs> as in, I started it this morning and it was finishing downloading uh, when I got home. So that was good. Wow. Um, <clears throat> do you think the, the starting to troll you with Disney Life to get you ready for Disney Plus, well, which may or may or not be coming out next Easter in the UK? Is that what people have heard? Yes. This, this is the thing, though. It's all speculation. I remember reading somewhere that Sky's contract with Disney runs until April 2020. Right. And that is a huge chunk of programming they're about to lose. Yeah. But obviously Disney can't go, oh, yeah, by the way, don't bother with Sky. We'll be launching it in six months, lol, because there'll be all sorts of legal shit going on there. So I think that's what's going to happen. The thing that's crazy... VPN. Well, yeah. The thing that's crazy in this day and age... Is that there's going to be con- uh, films and TV available in America that we can't get in the UK? It feels like the 90s again. It feels like 2014 because that's what happened. <laughs> oh no, sorry, it's like 2011 when Netflix and all that lot was streaming. Yeah, but over the... in America and like Hulu still to this day, there's programs on that you can't get over here. Yeah, but that was old content. I mean, this is brand new content that's not going to be available because there's like the. Uh, the new Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, well, but I say you, you do not that that much ancient history between not being able to watch stuff right away. So, but it just feels so old fashioned, so nostalgic. Yeah, it, it, I am. If, if anything's <clears throat> going to get me to get a VPN, it's going to be a, being able to watch Disney. It's weird though because you'd have thought Disney would have launched. I know they would have got a lot of shit for it, but we would have launched what they could over here. Yeah, on some other format, even like the Disney Life app. Yeah. But there's there's been no talk about whether or not that's coming. Because there's no... I imagine their deals with Sky wouldn't stop them from, you know, launching any new content. Um, no, I don't think it would. No. But so, I, I guess, just out of respect for that contract, we're not going to do anything. Yeah. Oh, well. So, we fall down the well, and would you believe it, there's little people everywhere, little leprechauns. Yep. Um, and the, the few of them are jumping on Darby's belly to wake him up. And once he wakes up, one of them points a magic stick at him and, like, zaps him. Yeah. So, interesting effects. I wouldn't call them good. The forced perspective works pretty well, though. Yeah, so I, I thought they did a good job because, obviously, they green-screened him in front of scenes of normal uh, people dancing around massive chairs. Yeah. Uh, instead, I thought they did a decent job of it. Yeah, and then he goes into this big cave where all the leprechauns are dancing to bagpipes being played by the king. And my first thought was, this really reminded me of The Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> where they're all having a rave in the cave. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, the uh, the music was a bit different, though. Just slightly. And there's golden jewels everywhere. And Darby says that he can't wait to tell his mates that he's been here. Um, but he's not allowed to leave basically. Forever. Um, so he obviously gets a bit pissed off at that. Again, it's like, lots of false pretenses from King Brian. Yeah. You know, so dragged him down there, it's just like, okay, you're here forever now. Or yeah. do you say so? Mine. Like, yeah. Great, okay. Brian asks what Darby wants to do, because if he's going to be here forever, he can do whatever he likes. And he says he wants to play his fiddle, so he'll go get it. And of course he's told he can't do that. 
I can't even remember what these notes mean now. <clears throat> so he starts playing a song, which... Oh, the means, fox chase. Yes, which begins a five-minute sequence of dancing about. Then I to turn, which I just wrote, snore. Yeah, um, so we do the jig. Uh, I'm surprised it didn't break out the Nomobile at one point. <laughs> and... It's then, for some reason, I, I turned away for a minute, and suddenly when I came back, they on horses. Yeah, they, they'll jump on horses for no apparent reason. And um, uh, the cave splits open due to the mysterious lightning bolt, yeah. and they all ride out on the horses. Again, I don't know why, and I don't think this was ever explained. It no. made it look like they were about to invade the normal people's village, and yeah. like, storm it, but from here, it didn't happen. From here on out, I mean, we're not very far into the film at all, but from here on out, just everything is just so fucking weird. It It's hard to explain half of what happens, really. The choreography from this scene is really, really bland. It's clearly it's clear that they've not had, like, a choreographer in to do it. Mm. It's literally just every person just improvising in a big room. So it's not very just interesting a bit squ- to watch. Bit of square dancing. Yeah, very minimal square dancing. Just looks it, like an army of pissed uncles at a wedding, is what I wrote. It looks like a Woolpackers music video. <laughs> yes, very good. Callback. Thank nice. you. Thank you. Like it. Ugh. Darby manages to get out and has stolen some gems in his pocket. But then when he escape, when he gets outside, there's no gems in his pocket. Well, that's because there's a massive hole. Yeah, in he's there. he's dropped them all. Yeah, yes. Um, Silly twat. So he ends up going um, back down to his stable, where the horse is, apparently. Horse is fine. Nay. After all that. And he's having a bit of booze that, from a shelf. His secret booze stash. Yep. Because Irish, so they're, all, of course. they're alcoholics, of course. The King King Brian comes in really mad, says he made him look like an idiot. And uh, Darby kind of lies and just says that he's come back for his pipe. So then the King gets absolutely wasted. Uh, with Derby. Yeah, why not? Uh, and because they, Ireland. And they sing a song, The Wishing Song, which is this film's snowmobile. The Wishing Song. Oh, I wish I had time to sing you a song, but when I get started, I sing all night long. <laughs> Can you put a right to that? Try me. Go on then. Oh, singing's no sin, and drinking's no crime. If you have one drink only, just one at a time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this one hasn't stuck in my head at all, to be fair. No. We've entered this weird territory with Disney films again, where the first half an hour, there's been no inclination that there's going to be any songs in it. No. Apart from the opening credits, obviously. If you look. So I did notice, okay, we've got at least two songs going yeah, on here. Yeah, it did mention the songs. But, but, but they introduced them out of nowhere. There's a couple of them. I think there's like two, three. I think, I think there's one more after this. It's so bare bones with the songs that you don't even think of it as a musical. Yeah, and then it goes away again. Yeah. It's a bit like how, I don't know, like in The Simpsons, some of them just do a song once in a while. Yeah. It's really random. There's a really good shot at the end of this scene when they're singing of the horse kind of laying down and sort of basically looking like, fuck this, I'm off to bed. (laughs) Yeah. I'm done with this shit. (laughs) Finally, a relatable character. (laughs) Yeah, the horse. Um, Yeah, yeah. like when he laid him out here, I just thought, yeah, I wish I could do that right now. Yeah. And then it's the next morning and they've sung 79 verses nonstop through the night. And we find out, we get a bit of lore here. 
because it turns out the leprechaun's magic doesn't work during the daytime. Mm. And this was Darby's plan all along, was to basically get to a point where King Brian can't do anything to him. No. And then he gets attacked by a cat. Yeah, why not? Oh, good kitty. (laughs) So I think after King Brian's been a bit of a lying twat, he's uh, finally getting what's coming to him. Yeah. So Darby has tricked him, essentially. Yeah. And he's now using a cat and uh, threatens to unleash the cat on King Brian if he doesn't give him another three wishes. Yeah. Basically, start afresh. Yeah. Um, So his wishes again, one is for the gold, two is to have a long life. Now, three... I've written carriage and pair. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. So, I thought the first wish was to keep King Brian by his side for at least two weeks until he figures his shit out, what his other two wishes are going to be. I wonder if these were the wishes that Brian was saying he could have. Yes, I I think it was. God, I I mean, it it was only a week or so ago, and I really don't remember this film at all. No, is it because the rest of the film is uh, based around... Darby taking his sweet ass time to make his other wishes, but yeah, yeah, wish one is you you must stay with me for a fortnight when I'm going to get kicked out of my yeah. manor. Um, While he decides the other wishes, yes. So he's got two wishes left. So he chucks Brian in a sack and carries him off. Yeah, which seems a bit harsh and necessary because surely if the wish is that he's going to stay around, he yeah, cannot he break need... that wish. Yeah, yeah. very weird. And the other direction we take very quickly as well, uh, it comes up very shortly, is that only he can see the leprechaun. Yes. (laughs) So we go back to the gatehouse and we've got um, Pretty Boy, Sean Connery and Katie. um, And he's like, where's Darby? But Katie's like, yeah, he'll turn up because she knows that he's, you know... Drunk. A a drunk. Somewhere. Somewhere in a ditch. He'll He'll get him home. Then they have some porridge... Um, and she says that he's no drinker, despite all the evidence against the contrary. Yep. Um, and then there's um, a nice bit of romantic music with a Katie in a spotlight, which is quite <laughs> typical of this sort of older kind of film. Very soft. She's always very softly uh, lit. And oh shit! Just pulled my headphones out. Nicely done. Um, so this is very. Not to the extent of a golden age of Hollywood, but there was a bit of Vaseline smear going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. Yeah. Um, and Darby arrives and then says that he's off to collect the bell for the vicar. Mm. Then we're in the grounds of the it, manor. Was the bell taken by a very naughty goose? <laughs> yeah, I've been playing some Untitled Goose game this yes. week, have you? Yes, I have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that, could, that could be set in an uh, Irish town for all we know. It could be. There's no speaking. There's no. no. There's no written text. Kirsty's played it a bit more than me. I've been playing. Um, I finally started playing um, the new Zelda. Oh the, yes, yeah. I well, got released on the same day as Untitled Goose came, and everyone went, "Oh yeah, everyone will buy Zelda." Like, no, everyone's talking about the goose. Yeah, exactly. Which is the way. <laughs> well, Kirsty was playing it first, so I was playing. I was replaying The Wind Waker on the Wii U. And then we've swapped over. So I'm playing Zelda and she's playing the goose game. Honk. <laughs> I saw a good tweet today and it was um, someone had drawn the goose just holding a sign saying, go vote. <laughs> <laughs> Which may have happened by the time this, uh, this yeah. episode goes out. Fuck knows what's going on with Brexit anymore. 
can't believe it wants to maybe Looney Party one. <laughs> God, they seem like a better, a better proposition at the moment. They do, yeah, yeah. So yes, we go to the Manor Grounds, and uh, Sean Connery bursts into song, mm. which is really not what I wanted in this film. And go by IMDb notes, Sean Connery didn't want it either. <laughs> and Katie's perving on him this time. Yeah. She's watching from afar as he's working. This turns into a duet, doesn't it? Because I'm sure I also read what they tried to release this as a single, basically. Oh, God. It's bad. It's really bad. It, it's not very good. It's very down-key and just sort of very lacklustre yeah. performances, isn't it? Have you ever seen the seagulls flying over heather? All the crimson sails and Galway Bay, the fishermen unfurled. Oh, the earth is filled with beauty. And it's gathered all together in the form and face and dainty grace of a pretty Irish girl. Oh, she's my dear, my darling one, her eyes so sparkling full of fun. No other, no other can match the likes of her. She is my dear, my darling one, my smiling and big island one. I love the ground she walks upon. Yeah, hey, I think we could uh, put on a bad news coming, but... Yeah, shall we re-record it? No. <laughs> <laughs> then we go back to the village, Darby with the bell and everyone's happy, and the father cheers. Um, yeah. It should have was for Belland. <laughs> and ask, uh, the father asks him what he's got in his bag. Um, the line I put was like, none of your fucking business, man. Yeah. Like, if you're just carrying a bag, that's fine. Yeah. Pretty you, much. That's allowed. It's legal. Yeah. Unless there's some sort of obscure Irish law against bags. Yeah. Because maybe the bag was a Protestant. Maybe he saw the bag moving and he thought there was a child in there that he could shag. Well, the, the priest, that is. Not the, Oh, not yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I'm going to say, well, they are Catholics, so. <laughs> and then uh, we go to the pub. So, oh, free stout. I can't even read my own notes. Yeah, Darby, Darby gets a free pint of stout. Yeah, for getting the bell. And this is a bit the whole uh, drinking trick. Yes. With, with the mysterious thing in a bag <laughs> where where King Brian is served a whiskey. And it's done in a way where he slowly, uh, where Darby slowly lowers the drink down into the bag. The glass sort of floats a bit, <laughs> and you hear lots of g- glugged noises, and it's empty when it comes out. Yeah. It's the kind of practical effect that we could pull off in the garage. Like, It's like when you're a kid and you get like your first box of magic tricks. Yeah, it really is. Well, you'll it? never believe how I can untie this rope by just yanking it. Wow. <laughs> Look at these rings. Yeah. Uh, I bet I can put, bring these together. Wow. But uh, for some reason at this point, even even though Darby doesn't know that other people can't see King Brian, he doesn't show them, does he? No. He, this is why I thought it was quite a bit of a plot hole, because everyone believes him. Even though he won't show them. Why is he concealing this leprechaun's yeah. identity? The excuse he gives is that he's not letting him out till he's done his, all of his wishes. Um, yeah, but couldn't he like lower the bag but keep him held by the hips or something yeah. to keep him trapped? Yeah, and as well, like if he didn't, if he wanted him to stay in the bag, there's nothing he could. He could have got 
He could have beat the shit out of the bag and then shown an unconscious <laughs> yeah. body of King Brian. Or like Brian could have just said hello to everybody. Yeah. Like, he's, yeah, it's all a bit weird because Brian doesn't say anything. Then we go back to the the gatehouse and Katie is getting ready to go to a dance in the evening mm. and is singing again. I don't think we've mentioned the main plot, plot point yet, have we? It, it was the one. Yes, in that Katie doesn't know that they're going to get kicked out into this other house. Oh yeah, we didn't in, mention that. In no. two weeks' time. And Darby said to Lord What's-His-Face, I'll tell her. Yeah. And he hasn't yet. No. So yeah, that's important to know. Yes, it apparently. is. Well, <laughs> maybe. So yeah, Michael says he's off to go watch for poachers. Again, they, so they make a point about poachers, but it never comes up. I thought this would be a plot point. I thought, like, Pony would be a poacher or something. It's literally about to come up straight away. About poachers? Yeah. Michael goes to watch out for poachers yep. outside the manor. Then outside the manor, Darby walks past with a sack over his shoulder. And so Michael tackles him because he thought Darby was a poacher. <sighs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that is the tenuous link. Yeah, I mean, that's probably what we're building to. Yeah, and then this is where the magic happens again. So Michael looks in the bag and King Brian turns into a rabbit. So he's trying to frame Darby as a poacher, stealing a rabbit. Okay. um, Did you not pick up on that bit? (laughs) Well, I saw the rabbit later on. (laughs) I must have, I know. But again fucking weird plot point is that Michael sees this rabbit Darby tells him oh it's not a rabbit it's a leprechaun and Michael is okay with that yeah why not (laughs) and basically Brian tells Darby that Michael can see him in his dreams tonight if he wants to which I was like gross but (laughs) as well so Darby passes this on to Michael and Michael's like oh really He just seems really excited about it. Why does everyone believe everything that Darby O'Gill, this drunk that lives in this village... I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's like I've got nothing better to do, so just believe in the fancies of an old drunk. Yeah. It's very weird. This whole scene is odd, because, like, Sean Connery, he's just staring into space the whole time, while Darby's basically, like, ranting like a loony. Yeah. So weird. It's almost like Sean Connery's not there. Like, he doesn't see anybody else. He's too, like, too busy, like, twiddling his eyebrows. They are cracking eyebrows. Oh, yeah, I mean, they are. They are, God. Uh, The dance is then over. So Katie's going to walk home with this guy called Sean, who says he's going to escort her. Then Pony literally twists Sean's arm. Clean off. Yeah. (laughs) Blood everywhere. (laughs) So uh, that he can walk home with Katie. I mean, this is the point when I had to stop watching for a bit because I was getting thoroughly bored by this film. Mm. Um, it was exactly an hour in by this point. Wow, we're already two thirds of the way through as well. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really doing much for me, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those films which we've had a good few of where you really don't know where this film's going. I mean, you know you're going to get to a point where the wishes are finished and hopefully there's some... I mean, I think with this one, again, spoilers, I think <clears throat> the ending is one of the much better endings that we've had on this podcast. So It I, certainly comes out of left field, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. I don't 
think it what we've got here actually bears any resemblance to what we're about to get. Yeah, that is but a very fair assumption. It's, it's very strange. It's yeah. very uh well, very like black hole or something like that, where like the final third is just so left field. And suddenly gets very quite solemn, doesn't it? Yes, it does, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the dance is over, Katie's coming home. When she gets home so King Brian tells Darby that Katie's technically in danger because Brian's lieutenant will be after him to try and find where he's gone. Right. And this never comes up again because his lieutenant never turns up. No. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was this implication that it's, this whole army of leprechauns on their horses, as we saw early on, will come after them and it never happens. It's basically just a threat to put some put a fire under Darby's ass, basically, to get his wishes done, I think. We don't see any of the leprechauns of the sun, do we? Not from here on in, no. No, no, but I'd say, since they all rode out on horseback, they disappeared. God knows we've got to. Yeah. Must be some sort of war going on with, I know, fairies or trolls. Yeah, so there's a lot of random arguing going on. The thing we've I've completely forgotten to mention, this point where Sean Connery sees the rabbit was technically the second wish, because... Darby wishes that everyone can see Brian, and Brian swindles him by saying that they can see me, but as a rabbit. Yeah. So that was wish number two. Wish number three, um, so Brian's trying to say, you know, are you going to wish for some gold? And Darby's like, no, Katie would want to settle down. That would be her wish. And it's like, well, you know, nothing helps you settle down more than a big-ass pile of gold, I think. Well, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, but obviously he means with a fellow. Yes. <laughs> but he doesn't technically wish for it. No. So the king says he'll sort that out for him, but, you know... It, but, but he didn't phrase it, I wish yeah. Katie would uh, have a few kids with Sean Connery. Yeah. So he sneaks into Michael's room um, at night, and basically, it, you know, Brian introduces himself to Michael, and... Basically just tells him to please marry Katie and then Darby will get his wish. The best way to do it would be to take her to the ruined castle after mass. And then he re- he uses a bit of reverse psychology because Michael's not interested. And he starts referring to Katie as Pony's lass um, and calling Sean Connery a coward, basically. Which works because then he asks her out the next day. Oh, it's that toxic masculinity again. Yeah. Are you chicken shit? Yeah. Yeah. Then then Brian goes into Katie's room and asks, can you just fancy Michael, please? <laughs> Go on. Give him a quick rummage. And Katie's Go like, on. And Katie says that she doesn't want a husband. She wants courtship first. And then basically Brian goes to call her a slag, but she wakes up. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's that. what happens there. Very odd. Fills some time up, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, the King's plan's really not bothered with female consent because... Katie says very clearly, that was it. Yeah, she ends the conversation by saying, definitely not go away. Um, and Brian's just like, oh, well, that's grand. You can keep saying that, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Especially since, you know, Darby's wished for it. Because, you know, she's a woman. That guy's a man. They've got to, you know, some point, you know. Yeah. So they go back to the ruins and there's a bit of an Irish rap battle going on between uh, Katie and Sean Connery. Yeah. They do a bit of weird, a, a weird sort of, rap about the Vikings and the Danes. And I, I think she managed to get in a reference to the Blarney Stone at some point as well. Probably does, L- yeah. Like you do, you know. Yeah. Because Ireland. And then they have a rapey kiss chase through the fields. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and is this where... Pony turns up. Uh, yes, that's right. And, and then there's some actual attempted rape. <laughs> where basically... I mean, I won't go that far, but... No, but it... Pony, Pony gets her up against a tree 
Um, and he's quite threatening. He was clearly going to hoist up over his shoulders and go back to the cave of her, probably. So yeah. I, th- I think that's where you're coming from. But then Sean Connery appears. And it looks like they're going to fight. Yes. But they don't. But because Katie gets in the way, and then Sean Connery gets really embarrassed that she got in the way because, you know, she's a woman. She can't do that sort of thing. Shocking behaviour, innit? Think about his manhood, damn it. Yeah. Think about his gonads. Then uh, Darby and Kingy, are, um, they go back to the gatehouse. Darby and Kingy are perving at them through a window and, you know, saying, oh, you got to kiss her, you got to kiss her. Uh, and they do kiss. And then, of course, Brian does a little jig. Well, they both do a little jig, I think, don't they? Yes, but I don't think this counts as a wish, does it? No, because then Brian says, like, it's finally time for you to do your final wish. And then we hear bong, bong, as the bells are going. Um, and Darby says that the wish can wait because he's going to listen to his music that the priest promised him on the bells. Right, yep. So we're just killing time now because we could just have the wish and be over with. Yeah, I wish this film would end. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Then we go to the general store where we learn, uh, where basically it's the shopkeeper and Pony's mum and everyone else has gone to the pub to hear about Darby's last wish. Um, (laughs) And Pony's mum and the shopkeeper are just reading everyone's mail, which I thought was pretty funny. Like this was the funniest bit of the whole film. And it's not even that funny. No. It just felt hilarious compared to everything else that's yeah. going on. Very old school, you know, these days, well, Melville's just like, you know, feel around. Yeah. If it feels expensive enough, I'll lose it. <laughs> but yeah, this is like right near the end of the film now. We're kind of wrapping up. And this is when Pony's mum finally finds out that from this letter that it's Michael that's going to be um, the new groundskeeper. Yep. I'm like, duh. But she goes to tell Pony, and of course, Pony don't give a shit because she's the one that's been after this job for him. Yes, I say Pony don't actually really want to do anything apart from drink. Yeah, and uh, whatever he wants to do with Katie. But so, mammy. But the uh, point is, that I think it clearly states on a postcard. Yeah, sure, Conrad's taking over this estate at this date. Yeah. Therefore, wrap everything up and get out. And obviously, Katie doesn't know all this yet. She does now. Yeah. She gets the postcard. Yeah. And by the time Sean Connery like, gets back out of the house, she's managed to pack everything up, which, bloody hell. And of course, she's having a barney because, well, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Like, I'm just impressed how quick she managed to pack everything. Yeah. That would take me like six weeks to get to the stage she got. All the shelves are empty and everything. Yeah. And he's like, but I lo-, he admits that he loves Katie, basically. He full on says, I love you. Please be my wife. <laughs> Full on, you've only had half a day. Come on, mate. Actually proposing marriage during an argument. Yes. <laughs> a distraction tactic. And we go to the pub and Darby says that he won't wish for gold. Um, and Katie comes in and says, come on, mate, you've got to come home and sort your house out because we're getting kicked out. So he lets the... She accidentally lets the rabbit out of the bag and it runs away. And everybody laughs. Yes. <laughs> then we go to the stable. And Katie and Michael are still having a Barney. Pony comes in and twats him one. Uh, and leave. Oh no, he tries to leave, doesn't he? Yes. And Pony twats him around the back of the head. Yep. Like, knocks then, him out. Yeah, then leans him against the like main manor, pours alcohol on him for reasons that don't really pay off. Yep. And then that's that. But at this stage, so Dab is out of action. Because uh, he's chasing a rabbit. Sean Connery is out of action because he's unconscious. Possibly drunk, he's not drunk. And so Katie decides to get on a horse 
and oh, she decides to go for the horse because she's going to run away. Yep. But the horse has other ideas. And runs up the hill. That horse fucking loves that hill. Yeah. So Darby's searching for Katie and finds Michael, gives him a slap to wake him up. And like, Michael's supposed to look like he's been injured and they've literally just drawn a line of red lipstick along yeah, his cheek. Have. Like, it's so bad. It's very weak. Yeah. Come on, give him like a black eye instead. That's the other thing. He got twatted on the back of the head, so I don't know why he's got a cut on his... I like, literally like give him like one of those like Bean or Dandy style bumps on his head. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, already... like glowing red. It's already bandaged. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and there's tiny little rubber ducks flying around his head. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we should probably talk about Katie going up the hill and seeing something really weird, shouldn't we? Mm-hmm. So the horse earlier on, when it started freaking out, had this like glowy, dark blue, dark green uh, sort of effects going on with it. Yeah. Which sort of foreshadows what we get here, which is... Well, Kate, bat- Katie doesn't see these. Um, Darby sees them because they find Katie on the hillside already. Oh, okay. Sorry, I've, yeah. I've got the yard wrong. So yeah. Katie somehow knocks herself unconscious. I assume she's tripped over and hit her head on the Blarney Stone or something like that. <laughs> Island. Tripped over the end of a rainbow. Exactly, yeah. And so they go and uh, they uh, find her. And Darby looks up, and there is a banshee. Fuck me, this what came out of nowhere. It did, yes. <laughs> this is so left field, and with no warning whatsoever. I mean, it is part of Irish folklore, from yeah. what I understand, but fucking hell, they could have uh, foreshadowed this slightly more. Because I know, obviously, this whole film... Oh, excuse me. It's about leprechauns, so you've got that mythical element, but you yeah. assume that's all it's going to be, and then suddenly they throw as many mythical things as they can in the very last ten minutes, it's... and it's just like going suddenly going at 50 miles an hour. Yeah, and as I said earlier on, bear in mind, from here on out, I actually quite like what they do. Oh yeah, me too. But... It doesn't fit the rest of the film. No, it doesn't feel like it's been earned. Like. No, it doesn't. So yeah, the Banshee is like strobing all different colours. You can't tell very well. I wasn't sure what was happening, but she's combing her hair. And this is apparently a thing that um, Banshees are known to do. Yes, that's that's correct, yes. Yeah. Um, and Darby says that, um, that he saw the Banshee the night that Katie's mum died. Mm. And I'm like, this is... This is stuff we don't need to know at this point. No. Like, it's completely irrelevant to the plot. I, I completely didn't even realise Katie's mum would die. I just thought she'd like run away because her husband kept talking about leprechauns all the time. Look, Chris, it's a Disney film. There's a dead mum. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, and literally, there are 15 minutes left to this film yep. and they're throwing banshees at us. Yes, so they get Katie back to her bed and I think the, the vicar's there. Oh, can we just point out as well, this banshee that we see, yep. literally, it's there for about 10 seconds, then Darby manages to set it on fire and it blows up. Oh yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's just like, right, bye then. Okay. Two minutes later, it's gone. Good thing there's only one banshee, or is there? Yeah. So then uh, Katie gets, they get Katie home to bed and the priest is there, kind of as if he's going to give her the last rites, I yep. thought. And the banshee turns up at the back door! Yes, in full hoss and carriage sort of mode. Yeah, so Darby picks up some tools and just tries to twat it. Yes, and uh, doesn't, no effect this time. No. Probably should try like fire and make it explode again, but you know. Yeah. Straight out of fire. But, and then this ghostly chariot turns up. Yeah. What the fuck? Um, 
yeah, it's again, I really like it, but it's just so much is happening in no time at all. Yeah, it's just completely out of place. So yeah, basically this the you know, death is turning up in his horse and carriage to take Katie away. Um and Kingy suddenly turns up back up again as well. Yep. And so Darby uses his third wish and says for um death to take him instead. Mm. <laughs> and then what is supposed to be a really dramatic shot of it suddenly raining literally looks like someone standing above Darby with a watering can. They probably did, to be fair. <laughs> Spent literally. all the money on the banshee and the cabbage. <laughs> yeah, I actually laughed out loud when it started raining because yeah. it literally looks like someone's pouring it on his head. And we see the headless horseman turn up and they get into the cart. Yep. Uh, Brian comes with him to accompany yeah. him. Did, sorry, I just, I, did we say that Darby's last wish is to take him instead of Katie? Uh, yes, I did say that. Please listen when I'm talking. Sorry. <laughs> and basically, he asks, Darby asks Kingy to, you know, keep an eye on the kids and check they're all yep. right. And Brian wish, says that he wishes that he could come with him. Yeah. And Darby agrees. So Kingy decides that that was his fourth wish, which cancels out all the other wishes, which then means that uh, <laughs> Darby gets kicked out of the carriage in midair. Yeah. Like, literally gets thrown out and Katie is absolutely fine for no apparent reason. Yeah, I don't understand how that invalidates her having a serious head injury. <laughs> yeah, especially if the wish has been cancelled, she should just then die. Yeah, so in terms of cancelling wishes, so it means that King Brian's no longer under his servitude, which she wasn't going to be anyway. The second wish was... so. That everyone could see him. That everyone could see him, which is invalidated. So, it's just him getting kicked out of the hearse. Mm. Katie should still be at death's door. Yeah. So, everything that was really interesting about this film has lasted five minutes. Yes, at correct. Most. Yeah. And, we're, and we're back to our boring story about this village. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought our village was boring. Yeah. And apparently, for no reason, Katie is now in love with Michael. The their mates again. They're not well, bothered about losing jobs or anything. I, I think uh, Sean Connery's idea was that we all live with him anyway. So, well, yeah, it, if they if they ha- end up getting together, happily ever after, I'd still have a smaller place for half pay and do fuck off. Exactly, my life, whatever. me too, whatever. Yeah, and then Michael confronts Pony in the pub and basically just says, "Well, the Lord says I can smack you on, so he does." I'm gonna sorry, I am gonna make my third wrestling reference here. Okay, of the show, so. Because it's a Disney film, they can't really show that much of a massive fist fight, can they? No. Do you notice how they keep cutting away? They do, yes. So this reminds me of how... So they show lots of um, people reacting. Crowd reaction shots. Yeah. This reminds me of um, when WWE, for whatever reason, they have shows on at like 11 o'clock on Saturday morning on Sky 1. To this day, they still do. I mean, I'm really? thinking about 20 years ago, but yeah, they still have wrestling on. And any time there's anything that's like somewhat violent, so any headshots, any chair shots, anything like that, they cut away to the crowd. This was exactly edited the same way. What is the point? I don't, I don't know. There's absolutely no point, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, but it ends with Pony getting thrown through a table, and uh, everyone says hooray, and there's a bit more singing again. Again, it's the dullest delivery of any song ever. Yep. Um, and that is the end of the film. Uh... <laughs> What I wrote was 
Oh my fucking Christ. Um, it's not as bad as other films I've seen for this podcast. Okay. But Are these your final thoughts then? Yeah, go on then. It's not as bad as other <laughs> films I've seen on this podcast. Um, I find it quite incredible though that this sounds like one of Walt Disney's passion projects. And yeah, I don't know if it's because Disney has a certain style. I don't know if like Robert Stevenson has a certain directing style. That's quite artless in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but it always seems to come out in the same way. And yeah. I don't know which I can do this podcast, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, mate. Me neither. No, let's change it up in 2020. Fuck it. Yeah. But so you get all the different uh, little benchmarks for a Disney film in here. And bear in mind, this is 1958, well, so this predates, or this is setting up a lot of what comes later on in terms of structure. Well, if you didn't see on Twitter this week, I actually posted a Without a Mouse bingo card. So shall we look and see how many things this actually gets yeah. on the bingo card? Yeah, why not? Okay. So yeah, the things that I wrote on the bingo card, I've just mentioned off cam- off uh, mic that I forgot to put dead parents on, but that's already one that we've got. Yes, the dead mum this time. So it's like, it depends what gender the main character is. So if it's uh, daughter, dead, dead mum, son, dead dad. Yeah. So we've got also on the bingo card, we've got crappy child actors. So we didn't nope. have any of them. No, nope, none. Dodgy special effects. Definitely. Yes. Uh, casual racism. Yes, yeah, I'd say uh, so. I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it was racism. I think it was more. Actually, I'm not going to give casual racism because you can tell they're actually quite respectful of the culture compared to one of our dinosaurs is missing. I don't think we can give that. So, are, are we going to try and play this like proper bingo, or we try and like? No, get we'll just. Are we just going to run through it? Yeah, yeah. We've got. I, yeah, I'm not going to give casual racism. So, All we'll right, say okay. that one. Yeah. So we've got a car slash vehicular chase. No, no, we're missing one of those, to be fair. Casual sexism, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, protagonist is a middle-aged man. Darby's kind of even older than middle-aged. He's older, but to be fair, I'll, I'll give that, because that's yeah. the other thing that really annoys me about these films, is that everyone seems to be at least 40 years old. Yeah. Um, white actor playing another race, we didn't have any of that. I don't know. Uh, well, I suppose it, it you was... had white people pretending to be Irish when they weren't. Uh, we can't give that, okay. No. Um, animal cruelty. I mean, there was a horse in it, but there was uh, nothing obviously visually no. happening. Apart from if it was actually given LSD to... <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Sexual assault. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Uh, Volkswagen Beetle. No, we didn't have one of them. Didn't we? <laughs> no. <laughs> not in this one. Aw. Uh, half fast musical segment. Yes. Three of them. <laughs> Protagonist is an authority figure. Definitely not. No, not this time. Uh, Bet slash wages. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Three, the wishes and all that shit. That's right. Only one female character. Yes. Well, there is the mother. Uh, mm. Okay, we won't give that. Yeah, but you're very close. It's very, very close. It's not passing the Betchel test anyway. Um, Matte painted backdrops. Yes, so quite a few of them. Yeah, there were on the hillsides and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And barely a villain. Yeah. <laughs> so how many was that? Eight. We were literally Eight got half. Of... Sixteen. Wow. <laughs> so, so, so literally half here. That's a yeah. 
that's crazy. <laughs> yep. So the, you see, this was put together before I'd even watched the film, so that just goes to show. I think this means you have to go back and watch all the other twenty films or so. And see we'll how watch. they score. Yeah, that's your <laughs> well, yeah, task for next do. week. Yeah. See which is doing which. Okay. Um, so my final thoughts. I wonder um, if we couldn't how many you get for Gus. <laughs> Probably all of them. <laughs> even sexual assault. That was a dark segment in that film. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. Um, this film just was so dull, in my opinion. I'm sorry, Mister Rips Twenty Three, uh, but I'm not. <laughs> Fuck off, Mister Rips Twenty Three. <laughs> That's your real name. This was definitely not my taste in film. It was very, as as with all of these films, apart from the few moments where there was, you know, special effects or like fantastical elements. Everything else was literally set in a boring. Irish village where actually not much was happening. Yep. Um, I didn't give a toss about what was happening. I didn't care about anyone. No one was developed enough for me to like them. Mm. Um, the guy, and I f- can't remember his name, but the actor playing Darby O'Gill, I think he was a very good actor. Yeah, um, he was. To be fair, his performance was very good. Um, he reminds me of local actor Tommy Turgoof. Oh, okay. Of yeah. This Is England fame. In that, He's so good at acting, you don't notice that he's acting. Mm. Like he's incredibly naturalistic, and it just—this guy seemed like that guy you meet in the pub. Yes, for a Disney film, it's as naturalistic as you could get, really. Yeah. So yeah, all credit to him. Um, as you said, there's that final section where it all gets a bit serious, and com- it's like it's from a completely different film. Yep. Did enjoy that that segment, but the rest of the film just gash, mm. absolute gash. I suppose we should do some scoring then. Yeah, some gems. Am I going first? Um, yeah, go on then. I'm going to go for a five. Which Ooh. Um, I think it's fair, very middle of the road. I'm, like I said, I really appreciate those uh, seven out of the last ten minutes at the end. <laughs> um which would have put it up a bit higher, but then again, it didn't really fit in. And everything else was just weirdly bland. And and like I said, this is 1958, so this is like... It must be near the beginning of this trend of these live-action films that just kept pumping out over and over again. So, yeah. uh, in in a way, this... It, it may have like given birth to James Bond, but this film could also be responsible for... The worst of Disney yeah. to come. So I was trying to justify it because obviously at the moment our lowest scoring film is uh, One of Our Dinosaurs is Missing. Yep. Um, where I only gave it a score of one point. The main reason it got one point was because of the horrific racism going yeah. through the film. But if you were able to put that aside, there was quite a bit that I did say at the time I did find quite enjoyable. And you're wrong. If you say so. You are. If I'm very honest, I think I technically enjoyed One of Our Dinosaurs is Missing more than Darby O'Gill, but Darby O'Gill is obviously a lot less um, problematic. problematic, so I'm going to give it a three. Okay, right, fair enough then. Which means, out of 20, it scored a massive eight points. Wow! Oh dear. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that right makes, next to the Nomobile as well. Yeah. So Darby O'Gill um, scored a massive eight, um, and the computer wore tennis shoes was one point better than it at nine. Do you think we have a problem with little people? Is that a problem? <laughs> Maybe. Do you think we've if we reviewed Elf? Well, I, I'd give it a two because I bloody hate Zooey Dashnell in that film, but. We hate little people and giant dinosaurs. Correct. <laughs> so yeah, Darby O'Gill, better than the Nomobile and worse than the Computer War Tennis Shoes. And this is the 20th film that we have reviewed. Wow, okay. So that means next week we'll start with a good Top of the Pop style rundown. Oh, excellent. About time we had another one of them. Yeah. Da, 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 Shut da, up, Chris. Da. <laughs> so, as you said earlier, it's technically going to be our Christmas film next. Hooray! And uh, I've decided I'm going to pick. Yeah, fair point. Because you picked the Halloween one. Yes, that is fine. And so, technically, Mr. Rips 23 picked this last one. So, which one of the uh, Snow Buddies films are you going to pick? Ah, no, not a Snow Buddies film this time. Santa Claus. So, I went on the Disney Life app. And Cats I just, at Christmas. I decided to go for the film that had the most generic title possible for Santa Claus 2 no not even that there was a film on the Disney Life app from the 1980s called One Magical Christmas uh, okay never heard of that no neither and did I. I I've watched quite a few Christmas films uh, the other year I, I managed to watch about 40 Christmas films nice Well, the- never come across those so somewhere the other um, deciding factor was that the main character is called Ginny Granger, which is like a mashup of two different Harry Potter characters. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was my pick. One Magical Christmas. It, w- w- yeah, that's what it was called. Yeah, I'm supposed to have to watch a Christmas film in early November. <laughs> it's going to be weird, isn't it? Uh, oh well. So then again, we we'll, we'll watch something wicked this way comes in July. So <laughs> yeah, whatever. So uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I don't know what my handle will be by then. <laughs> I do want to change it. It's a bit stupid now. It'll be linked on our... Uh... Yes, uh, you just go to at podwam, W-A-M, and uh, you'll find my link there. Yep, so the official Twitter for this podcast is at podwam. Uh, my Twitter is at timblesrh. We also are on Instagram with at without a mouse, which is mostly pictures of my cat. And you can also email us without a mouse at gmail.com. Satisfied? Yeah, I'll do. Oh.